0: I'm Merlin and we're gay and his NB and it's episode two it's the second episode of it all (laughs) (laughs) oh geez you'd be surprised when you do a podcast for the first time the little things that you pick up that you and your partner say all the time apparently we love to say that something is something of it all hence the name of the uh, first
1: episode being the premiere of it all Oh yes, the premiere of it all, um, the blank of it all. It's is... our,
0: it's our, it's our Wendy Williams. It's our Asian. <laughs> so uh-huh. as we get into this podcast station, this uh, we're <laughs> very excited to be here for this second episode of a Gay and MB. We're so happy to hear all the positive response to everything uh, that we did this last episode, uh, and and we had a really fun time. I thought it was a good, it was a good flow.
1: Oh yeah, I, I thought so. Um, it. It felt very natural, uh, you know, but, you know, that's part of being married for how long ever we've been together, uh, since 2016, so do the math. Um, well, not married that long, but together that long. Um Anyway, uh, what are we going to be talking about this
0: week, babe? We got a lot of good stuff on tap this week for this episode. Uh, We're going to go into Real Housewives of Potomac and all of the drama that's happening over in there in Mexico. Um, We have no Salt Lake City this week because uh, they're off for a week before the first part of the reunion for some reason.
1: Which is going to be fabulous. I can't wait to cover that with you guys.
0: But in the meantime, as we um, have a break from Salt Lake City, we figured we would talk also about Real Housewives of Miami over on Peacock and everything that's happening there. One of my favorite franchises right now. And then we also took some time this last day or two to binge uh, The Traders US season one, also over on Peacock. And we're going to get into everything about that. But first, let's start off like we did last week and let's go into everything that happened this week on RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: Ah! The, I am so mad with the one-hour episodes. The
0: WeHo Twinks have fucked up Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> this, I,
1: Brad Goreski has ruined drag. I'm so mad that, you know. It's can, not Brad's fault. It's not you know, it's, fault. It, but, a, well, yeah. well,
0: it's also MTV's fault. Like, this is, and based off of everything that we've heard from the rumblings of everything, it's like they didn't tell Drag Race. At all about this. Oh, like, no.
1: They they filmed... You can tell the way that they filmed these uh, episodes. They clearly thought they were still getting the hour and a half.
0: You mentioned it last week, and it was confirmed in the previews for this coming week, that we are about to get a 14-person Snatch Game.
1: Well, now, I think what they're doing, from what I've heard, is they're doing two seven-person per Snatch Games, which... I don't know if that's better or worse, but it's still, we have 40 minutes, like once you get rid of the commercials, we have 40 to 45 minutes to cover 14 queens in Snatch Game. And a runway. And a runway. I don't know how we're going to do that. Yeah, this was, I I saw some people saying that they
0: didn't mind this, the this model episode, and I got their reasoning, like I... They cut the, like, sort of judges' discussion after the initial critiques, which I guess I don't necessarily mind but that, that they cut.
1: But that ruins the point of having your guest judges, because at that point, what did they do? They sure. said some some benign stuff in reviews on the runway, and they threw out some quips.
0: And Maren Morris got to sit there and look like a Kardashian, <laughs> which I love you, Marin Morris, but that was...
1: Oh, and then they visit the queens in Untucked, which was a yawn
0: yeah they gotta do something with untuck it seemed like it was a little better than some past seasons but the, it's the format is just wrong and i do again they cut the the uh runway looks which i think is also just the most frustrating thing i saw some like dialogue online of like i think it was um selena s titties was tweeting like we didn't put in this much money to get cut down to 45 minute episodes. If you, I mean, for those that don't know about Drag Race, like the money that these girls have to put in to be on this show is insane at this point. Oh, yeah. And, well,
1: and it also makes it very difficult for me. I'm just going to complain for a second because when I'm doing our toot and boot videos, uh, by the way, check out our TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all of that has our TikTok or our um, Toot and Boot reviews on it for this week. So go check that out. That went out on Wednesday. Um, But when I'm trying to put those together, when they're giving us like three blinks of a look on the runway, it's very difficult to, to, number one, even get an idea of what these queens actually are looking like. And number two, to put together a review like that, I think they spliced, they were literally reusing footage on the pit stop. Yeah. Like two and three times of these queens just looped so that you could have them on the screen longer is ridiculous. Uh, the pit stop is the official drag race review, which this, was
0: literally as long as the episode.
1: It was literally as long as the episode, which is ridiculous.
0: Yes. But let's get into this actual episode. Um, obviously, from the last episode, Irene went home. Um there was a little talk in um before like in the beginning of the episode between Robin and Amethyst about their past relationship uh, before coming on the show. This I don't know. I wasn't really invested in this as much nah. as they're trying to make it. Uh, there's you know there's been people who have been talking about that Rue has always wanted like the sort of like romantic couple to like like they love that uh, storyline. They've
1: tried it several times. You know, Lord knows they tried it with Brooklyn and Vanji.
0: Yeah, just not I don't think Drag Race is that show, but it's, you know. Yeah, it's it, not necessary. So uh, there was no mini challenge when they came back into the workroom the next day. Or maybe there was. Or maybe there was. I honestly, like, are they just going to be in some crazy outfit for no reason and we're just going to have to, like, not explain it because they had to cut time? Like it's. Uh,
1: they've honestly, they've done it before. They have cut mini challenges before because it just was bad. Yeah. Um. So I don't. You know, I'm sure that they'll find a way to make it work, but they didn't shoot for that. Usually when it's a bad mini challenge, they usually go, no, change back. We're cutting this. We're in on the fly. They, they make it happen. So the Queens know that's not airing. Um, so, This time we don't know.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I really don't know what they're gonna do.
1: They just season, randomly they just randomly show up in uh really bad quick drag looks. We'll know what happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so the challenge for this week they kind of go straight into and it is basically an acting challenge. It's one it's an acting challenge where they get to write essentially the whole plot and the right. whole script of it all. Oh, my God, I just did it again. I got to try to not do it again. (laughs) I'm going to be so self-conscious of saying it. But they basically have to do this uh, parody that is making fun of the idea of a drag afterlife. Uh, and they're paired off into teams, uh, Anitra being a team captain because she won the lip sync. You have Amethyst as a team captain for, or excuse me, Amethyst for winning the lip sync, Anitra for winning the challenge. And then uh, they basically get to pick their teams. And then the five queens that are left.
1: Are the leftovers? Which is they, that what they
0: called it? They were really emphasizing throughout the whole.
1: Uh, and they tried to make it. Out to where they were really salty about it, but none of the queens cared. It was very
0: (laughs) much like that split premiere where they did the whole pork chop lounge girls, Mm -hmm. and they're like, "We're gonna make it like trying to push the storyline that you guys aren't wanted." And it's like, "Okay, I don't know if that's necessarily needed." I think the honestly, these queens this season are dramatic enough where we don't need to manufacture certain things.
1: Yeah, Um, but we may need to because we won't ever see the drama.
0: Sure, but. I also really liked that uh, at one point Princess Poppy gets picked for her team and basically says, so long, losers, to the rest. <laughs> and Rue's basically going, you know, I would, uh, what did she say? She said something of, like, I would watch your words or something, and then, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> though that telegraphing was like so heavy-handed this whole episode. I think Princess Poppy was the first one when they came in was just like, and I'm so happy to not be the first to go home. And it's like, okay, I can see what's happening here. Yep. So they basically pair off into teams. I guess the biggest thing, sort of in the the uh, working on this, was that uh, Sugar and Spice, our twins from this season, were split into two different teams.
1: And you would have thought the world came to an end. It was, <laughs> jeez.
0: This was a lot. With um, uh, so Sugar is on a team with Jacks uh, and uh, part of the leftovers team, and. Th- As much as Jax's, uh, the way she handled this sort of situation, literally, like, picking up sugar and moving her to the end of the table, which was crazy and bold.
1: Right. And the internet was furious with her.
0: I mean, it was a lot. But, like, the idea that, like... And they tried to push this afterwards that, like, oh, well, sugar was the only one that had ideas or sugar. And I guess technically that was true when we look at the final product. But, like, she was trying to do, like, a... She said at one point, we're going to do Nini Leaks and Kim Zolciak, and then something about a cracked out Beyonce, which I was <laughs> like, this is a dangerous territory that I don't think we need to be going down. Uh. Um, so, and it was, I was like, oh, Jax is taking control. And J- I think even Jax said, it was like, we need to formalize an actual idea. And then, which I was like, good for her. And then we get to the rehearsals and they didn't formalize an idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what happened
1: there. Um. And then Jax was just kind of there. And, like, we'll get to it. But, like, the excuse was, well, everybody kept improvising and I just didn't have room to do anything. Yeah. Girl.
0: This whole... The whole rehearsal was... Also, the
1: whole thing was trash. Like, <laughs> ma'am, stop. <laughs> well,
0: across the board, like they were setting this up as to be like the worst challenge in Drag Race history, honestly, at this point. Michelle was not laughing at anyone from any team. Like, was getting yeah. visibly frustrated with everyone. Um, which I it was it was something. Um, so they do the challenge. Um, we eventually get down to the runway. Um uh in the abbreviated runway that we had, uh, thanks to Todrick. Um,
1: <laughs> thanks, Todrick. Um, what were your Due thoughts? to the todrigation of it all.
0: Todrigation of it all. What are your thoughts on the actual challenge? Um, I thought, obviously, Team Anitra did really well. I actually th- genuinely thought everything they did was really funny. And sometimes with drag race humor, it can be hit or miss. But they definitely seem to have a lot of good personality on the Was doing. that
1: the one that? that had Sasha Colby Yes, and the doing next the snap. next snap the whole time. That uh, I thought it was funny the first two or three times, but after like number 8,742 and yeah. Rue was still cackling, like it was the first time I was like, girl, this is some stuff.
0: I think, yes, I think everyone was really solid. I would say.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fine. And it, at least that one made sense as opposed to some of the, or the other two didn't really make a whole lot of sense.
0: See, so, and then, so we'll go to the Amethyst's team. I thought Amethyst's group actually did pretty well. Like I did, I thought the struck, they at least had a structure. I thought, yeah, to some effect they were like, we're going to go for the dirtiest humor, like the most lowbrow, you know, bottom of the barrel, humor. which
1: is we- a, Which is about 50 50 on Drag Race. Either they love the poo poo pee pee stuff or they hate the poo poo pee pee stuff. And it really just depends on the day and the mood that they're in. It
0: just depends on the edit because they were like, oh, you like it went on too long. And like, I I didn't think it went on at all. Like, I thought they actually did a pretty decent job overall. Um, They liked Lucy's Dolly Parton impression, which I thought was pretty good. That was good.
1: Yeah. Lucy did really well and, and stood out for me this week.
0: Sure. And then we had the leftover team, which was so disorganized. And it was like,
1: leftovers that you forgot about, and they got pushed to the back of the fridge, and by the time you found them, there was a science experiment.
0: Sugar did well. I also think Sugar did the character that Spice did, and they have been doing. And it's, you know, for, she definitely stood out in the sense that everyone else was pretty boring and, and basic. Yeah. Um, there was no real clear flow into what they were doing. Um, it it just was kind of rough. Really, <laughs> really, really rough. So we get down to uh, the deliberation. Bottom, or excuse me, top is um, Sasha Colby, um, Lux Noir London, who I also thought did pretty well in in Nietzsche's team, and Lucy Laduca. Bottoms were. Uh, Amethyst, mm-hmm. Princess Poppy, mm-hmm. who, again, I didn't think they explicitly, I, honestly, Princess Poppy's runway was, you know, I would say the most underwhelming and probably mm-hmm. put her in the bottom.
1: I mean, the way that it stopped at the hip and it was just, that was it. Yeah. We, we just did a torso this week. Which she had a, a a
0: story on if you uh, anyone who watches the Roscoe's uh, viewing parties that they right. do of what actually happened. That's just like and I hate moments like that where it's, it's like just nothing comes together and it's
1: like yeah. I mean it sucks, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for your look. Sure. And there is a fabric wall, and there is um, there is time. Like g- get your stuff together.
0: Yeah, it just needs something else. Uh, And then Jax um, was also in the bottom for her team. I did not understand why they picked Jax other than for the drama purposes of having her in the bottom and being like, ooh... You were mean to sugar and so you're in the bottom. Well, I thought
1: it was more about the fact that she tried to take charge of that team and that team did so poorly. And then she was like, well, everybody else was stepping on top. No, girl, get out there and get your face on the camera and get your, like, that's your job on Jagger Race is making an impression. And if you're not making an impression, we forget you when we send you home. Sure.
0: And especially in a truncated episode, that's not going to help because you're yeah. not going to get screen time. Yeah. Um, I was just shocked that they were like they also were critiquing her outfit in the actual challenge of like oh you were just in like a bodysuit or whatever you pointed this out like when you watch back their uh video what was mistress or not mistress uh malaysia baby doll fox wearing she literally was wearing like just a tote like a I was going to say a toga, but no, a toga is like an actual like, fashion thing. She was wearing she took a bed a,
1: sheet and like... But wrapped it around like a black bodycon dress, which, I, by the way, we have to talk about this. She has had the same dress in a different color for every look we've seen so far. We've seen four looks from her. Her entrance look, her runway last week, her challenge this week, and her runway this week. All Four of them have been variations on that exact same thing that might have worked for Bianca Del Rio in season six, but this is now season 15. I'm just saying Bianca wouldn't wear a bedsheet in a
0: challenge. <laughs> that's, no, she that's wouldn't. my bigger that was she my bigger crime
1: She would have whoop, whooped together a actual look that looked together and and good. But my problem is you have worn the same silhouette four times in a row, and it's the only four times we've seen you. Fix it or go home. Sure.
0: I think the I think the, the the thing I thought with, with Jax being in the bottom was just, like, they could have really gone with anyone in that group other than Sugar, and it would have made sense. And so it just felt for, like, story purposes. They yeah. picked Jax out That's of any fair. of them. Um, but uh, Jax actually doesn't get put in the bottom, uh, too. It's actually... Uh, Amethyst, who is in the bottom two again this week, and uh, Princess Poppy. Sasha Colby winning the challenge, very well-deserved. I thought so. I thought the best runway of the night, too, as well, with that silver, almost Um, like Vegas showgirl peacock kind of. My
1: top look on the runway was actually Lucy LaDuca. Really? Um, Like, that, like... Almost encrusted looking thing. It almost looked like a um, a Wonder Woman inspired like armor, or something, and it was stunning. I was absolutely gobsmacked by that look this week.
0: Now that you brought, uh, now that we're talking about runway look as well, before we go into the actual lip sync, we do also have to bring up because we had some thoughts on Sugar and Spice as well. Um, Girl, a, a, definitely another collaborative week between the two of them. Um, very similar looks on the runway. Yep. I just think, like, and if they want to do it, fine. And it seems like, at least at this point, Rue and Michelle are, no one's going to call it out. They may eventually.
1: I, but I guarantee you if it happens again next week, they will get called out about it again next
0: week. I just think, like, I don't know. Just It's not even a knock on them because they look good.
1: Right. It looks good, but my point. So um, by the time you are listening to this, our Tootin' Boot video has been out. Um, a couple days. It went out on Wednesday. This comes out on Friday. So it's been out a couple days. Um, So you may have noticed that both of us booted Sugar's look this week. Um, Eamon and I have different opinions on why we booted that. So Eamon, go ahead and I'm take that i I'm just thankful first. that we didn't
0: get dragged uh, by the TikTok gaze.
1: Um, um Well, it's only been out two days. Give it a second.
0: And part of it was also the Trundicated runway. I... Watching it back, sugar's actually looked really good. I had it I thought the fit of the of uh, the skirt and the and the sort of leg warmer things kind of made it a little boxy in a way that she probably didn't want. Um, I just and it's not even I'm offended by it. I just think that at a certain point only one of them is gonna be able to win this season. So you need to differentiate from the other at some point. Yep. And you can, I guess, you can maybe do that in a challenge, but I think one of the keys to do that is on the runway. And I think it was, I don't know, I don't think it was the smartest move to clearly collaborate in the way they did. I understand why they did because all their videos on TikTok seem to be based around that, but I just don't know how you're going to actually break free from one or the other.
1: So, um, I had a slightly different take on this. Yours was more intense. Mine was more intense and uh, come for me if you will, but um, I mean, whatever. Um, So the way I look at it is if you're going to show up on Drag Race um, and you're going to show up with your twin, you have to look different. Like I understand establishing yourself on the first episode. Get that. Totally understand. 100% get it establish your brand, your twins. I get it. But um, by episode two and beyond, especially the things that you're bringing from home, that you got the chance to look at each other's stuff, they had better not be derivative looks. Because as far as I'm concerned, one of you is getting tooted and one of you is getting booted and the person that was least successful gets booted. I'm sorry. You cannot show up in the same look in a different color basically i mean there were some detailed differences but you can't do that crap
0: i think now that i think about it the only thing that's really going to differentiate them is when they get to a design challenge who knows if that'll
1: even differentiate
0: because well at at the very least that's that person doing a skill like, obviously, we know at Drag Race, you know, a lot of the girls, some girls make their stuff, like Raj O'Hara and others. But, like, a lot of them obviously have to outsource to other designers and stuff like that before coming on the show. So, I'm sure their connections were also the same in terms of the people who make right. their stuff. Um, that may be the only point in which they can differentiate but themselves. I
1: feel like if even if they were using the same designer, that's less of an excuse. Because at that point, the designer knows that they're making two derivative looks. Sure. It's a choice. It's definitely a choice. It was a choice and they should be punished for it. (laughs) I'm just saying. Come for me. Come for me, Twitter (laughs) gays. I dare you. Oh God. Let's get it so let's get into this lip sync between
0: Amethyst and Princess Poppy. Uh, they performed to Ain't No Mountain Mountain High Enough by Diana Ross, which when this came on, I was like,
1: this is a choice for these two queens. But for the queens, yes, but Amethyst's look was perfect for this song.
0: And I will say, she does a really great job of, like, knowing the song and lip syncing to that song. She can be a... I, I, I honestly think Amethyst has a lot of qualities to be kind of a sleeper in this season and sort of rides up. I think there's a lot of things that she does really well. Um...
1: She needs to get it together this week, though. She can't be in the bottom again.
0: Quite frankly, I don't think she should have been bottom two this week. I'm shocked that the worst team no one...
1: yeah. From that team was in the Especially bottom? considering how bad it was. Yes.
0: Uh, and Princess Poppy definitely went more comical and more, uh, you know, jokey and with it. Not which, in
1: front of RuPaul. Not with Diana Ross. No, man. No. You have to respect that woman.
0: It definitely was a choice. Um, but Amethyst wins for the second week in the row. I think I, I saw a stat. She's the only, like, I think she's the second queen to ever win the first two lip syncs, be in the bottom of the first two episodes and
1: win. Usually, if you're in the bottom two and survive the first week, and then you're in the bottom two again, you're going home.
0: Yeah, but she's doing really great, and I and I am a big fan of her actually. In term, and I think she has definitely great potential. And Princess Poppy was great. She had great confessionals. I thought she was very funny, um, kind of the humor I enjoy more uh, in terms of um, that sort of drag humor. Um, but she does go home sadly. We are down to 14 queens. Oh,
1: yeah. That's all a measly 14. A
0: measly 14. We are back to where a normal season of Drag Race would
1: start.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. And we got more hour episodes to come. Um, God, I hope the ratings for Real Friends of WeHo are good because at this point, what is the point if they're going to? Oh,
1: I don't. I hope it. I hope it crashes and fails. I hope everybody turns their TV off in protest immediately (laughs) as soon as those credits roll on Drag Race and then um, goes and does something else for an hour and comes back for... um, untucked because this is a travesty and um i for one will be protesting there it.
0: are already petitions have you seen the petitions? oh i have
1: seen the petitions. <laughs> have you signed the petitions not yet uh, <laughs> i've thought about it
0: <laughs> but yes that was drag race for this week we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to talk some real housewives we'll be right back Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com.
1: Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Uh, We just finished up Drag Race, but here we are into... Uh, Real Housewives for this week. So a uh, bit of a reminder: we don't have Salt Lake. Uh, we they are taking a week off in between the main season and the reunion. Um, so Seemingly
0: we're gonna, to possibly film a interview with Jen Shaw and Andy Cohen
1: before she goes to the Clink.
0: Which we before we started recording, we just saw the GMA interview with two of her victims. Ooh boy! There is... <laughs> I wonder if they're regretting that interview. Also, did you see the uh Chris Wallace uh interviewing uh Andy Cohen and kind of trying to like drag him for supporting Jen Shaw?
1: I didn't, but honestly, Andy's kind of since the um since she pled guilty last summer, has been decidedly not on Team Shaw.
0: I also love that in the interview Chris Wallace referred to her as Jennifer Shaw. <laughs> Oh, God. Which is only only a phrase uttered by him and Meredith Marks. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, let's go into Real Housewives of Potomac this week. This was a really good episode. Um, The vacation in Mexico is getting really interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, We get uh, start from the fallout and the to be continued from last episode of the big fight between Karen and Mm Sharice at that dinner table. Um, I think we said it last week uh, that we were team Karen. I don't know about you. I'm still fully on team Karen. And I think the fact that Karen has the receipts to back some of this stuff up is really. Oh, 100%. Me I
1: mean, I was, um, I was very much um, interested in, uh, I think this happens later in the episode, but I was very interested to find out the fact that the reason that Robin and Giselle have kind of thrown in with Charisse and named her the grand dame is because it comes out that Cherise is really who put together the cast for season one yeah and according we'll, to them we have not seen receipts on that
0: I, and, and i'll but, believe that I, I i have no problem believing that necessarily but i just don't understand the motive of what they're like what that even necessarily means
1: well i think their point is that charise had the Um, connections to put together a group that was compelling enough for Bravo to pick up the show as opposed to I think the implication is that Karen couldn't do that. Um, We don't know that Karen couldn't do that though because I don't know that she had a chance to do that. But also
0: I think from the minute of the first season of Real Housewives of Potomac, to me, that there were two clear stars, and it was Karen and Giselle. If you yep. watch back that first season, Charisse is like third on the couch at the reunion. She's like oh, behind yeah. Katie Ross.
1: Sharice <laughs> you can't say you're the grand mom if you're behind Katie Ross. I love
0: Katie. Kate, bring Katie back when she's healthy. Um, but I just don't think like you didn't have that star quality, and it 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 was giving very um. Mariah from Mary to Medicine of it all. Ooh, girl! I'm I'm just gonna let it happen. But the very much, I brought this group together, and I'm the reason this social circle is. I formed mean, at and- least
1: Mariah was actually a producer on that show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Honestly, where is Sharice's producing credit? Put her in the credits. Um, At this
1: point, Karen needs a producer credit. Honestly,
0: so but Karen also goes into it more. Like there was all this discussion too online about like, well, Sharice didn't really say anything about Karen's mother so that Karen was overreacting about it. But I think when Karen talks about it, I I I agree with her on this point. The fact that Sharice showed up to Karen's mother's funeral unannounced, uninvited.
1: Yep. Knowing that there was beef between them. You need to talk to somebody. You don't just show up like that. And
0: if it's true what Karen said, that Cherise stuck her head into Karen's limo with her family in it to say hi and to give condolences as if to put herself out there. And, I mean, the producers had the receipt. She brought it up a couple years ago at Candace and Chris's event uh, to, like, and – I I don't I really did not like the way she was also constantly like I was the only person from this group at your mother's funeral. I was the only one. To me that attributes motive more than anything. No oh, yeah. actual caring person would say something like that.
1: Yeah, that's that is that really supports Karen's idea that she's trying to weaponize her mother's death against Karen, which is just disgusting. Like honestly, that Because I was pretty neutral in it before. Then I was like, "Eh, "It's a funny little tiff. Who cares?" But that that shows some vindictiveness and some like really awful like.
0: And I think Giselle and Robin are also trying to capitalize it on the way, in a way, to say like, "Well, at face value, why would I be mad at somebody for showing up at my mother's funeral to like offer condolences?" And yes, at face value, that looks normal. But we're talking about a television show here, right? And that's the thing. They they play off this the um having the fourth wall up, I think a lot right. of times. We see it. I think that's the same thing that happened with the Candace stuff and G- with Giselle. They really play off of this idea of the fourth wall up because if you actually get into the minutia of why Karen Karen is upset or why Candace is upset, it's about this larger thing of the show and trying to weasel your way back on. Um and then uh, Charisse also then tries to bring up the cheating stuff again at the table and then also drops this thing about how Karen was in rehab uh, and friends of Karen had to bail her out to go partying afterwards, which,
1: if that is true... That's low down and dirty to bring up. You're
0: literally proving Karen's point. Why would she be your friend if you're going to bring up something like that? Yeah. Like, it's... it's
1: Especially when it's clearly not an issue anymore. Like, why are you bringing up past issues and trying to villainize someone who literally was going through a very, very difficult time and dealing with something that most of us have no idea about? Yeah. Um, like, that's just like, my point is that her actions seem to be very cruel and like taking Karen's worst moments and weaponizing them against her. And it's not even just embarrassing moments. It's specifically moments that are painful, like deep seated, traumatic, painful events and And moments in her life. And that's just, that's a next level. That's something that Honestly, I don't feel like we should be doing on Housewives. We, like I'm on Housewives. Like, I don't feel like that's something that should be happening on Housewives. It's supposed to be lighthearted messiness.
0: And at the end of the day, why should Karen have to, like, uh, only in Housewives. Why should Karen have to sort of prove why she doesn't have to be friends with Charisse or doesn't want to be friends with Charisse? That's the biggest thing I think throughout this whole season. It's like this expectation by Giselle and Robin, which also is very hypocritical because people would make the argument rightfully so that they're also trying to ice out wendy and aren't expected to be friends with wendy in that same regard um karen thought doesn't have to give a reason as to why she doesn't want to be friends with charise and the fact that robin didn't under, like comprehend the fact that like well karen you said uh when it comes to me and Sharice that we're good aka we're moving on and i can be friends with her now no she didn't say
1: we're Good. She said, We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're
0: good. There's a big difference. There's a, a big connotation to that word. Um, we also saw me and Jacqueline get into it a bit more. I thought it was so bold of Mia when they were in the hotel room together and Jacqueline was just confronting her and was like, You know, you're telling lies. And, and Mia's just like, What's the lie? <laughs> Jacqueline um, Jacqueline's saying, Well, because I, that I, that I don't close my legs to marry men. And Mia's just like, Girl. Like, <laughs> for, her to, Mia, for her to just double down on that. Is crazy.
1: Mia's middle name at this point is bold because, like, she has done nothing this season but make some bold statements and take some bold actions. Um, like, she just, it's very hard to um, find anything redeeming with her right now.
0: She's messy. And if you like mess, I think, you know. But other, but other than that, I do agree. Like, she is not coming off in the best light this season. Um, can we also get... So let's get in also to Robin's wedding.
1: Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, so fans of the show have been waiting how many years at this point? Seven years at this point to see Robin and Juan get married. And, um, like, I, I guess it's your right to have a private wedding with nobody really there if that's what you want. But, girl
0: but the definition of private the, like it doesn't make any logical sense what she's doing she's having a wedding in 40 days right like she they literally just decided okay in 40 days we're going to have this wedding first off second off there it's only going to be the two of them and her two kids not her mother not Juan's parents not like that doesn't make any sense to me you can still have a private wedding
1: and I mean, the fact that her family and Giselle are not going to be there, like, really? Really?
0: It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, oh, my God, also, the like, her pulling a Sheena and Brock from Vanderpump Rules and being like, my brother's getting married in Jamaica, so we're just going to go the next day and Absolutely get married on not. the beach. Oh, my. Like, do you, like, does she not, does she need to watch Vanderpump Rules? This past season? Uh, Like literally a season ago?
1: Like it's, I I know I said this to you when we were watching the episode, but I'll say it again for the uh, benefit of our listeners. You know, it is one thing to, you know, go to a wedding and um, get inspired and go to the justice of the peace the next day and get married. It is one thing if that is a local wedding, but when you are traveling, To Jamaica, girl, there better not be anything. If it's my wedding, you had better not be doing anything on this trip other than being in your hotel room sleep, going out to the club and partying, or lounging on the beach, and then attending my wedding. If there is anything else you are doing during that trip, you better walk out into the ocean and not come back.
0: What do you think about the? I saw this theory going around that Bravo wasn't going to pay for the wedding, and that's why they're doing this
1: i don't know why bravo wouldn't though it's been seven years like literally
0: been the longest running storyline on this show
1: people would tune into that so there's no reason why bravo wouldn't fund that i mean either that or she like presented like a really outrageous price tag on it and that's why they won't fund it and maybe she did that on purpose so that her and Juan can go get not married and then just get everybody off her back. Because That's really what I think is going to happen is they don't actually get married.
0: Honestly. I mean, it, that's
1: what it feels like. It is, feels like a scam. And this is a ginshaw scam. <laughs> like you pull it a switcheroo. You about to go to jail for six and a half years.
0: And the fact that that's not going to be also the, I would say the hottest question that Robin will have to answer at the reunion. But uh, when it comes to Juan, but we'll get into that later. Um, but also uh so they they go um Ashley this is for Ashley's birthday weekend they're going er, to uh, Mexico obviously and they go to the cenote uh cuz Ashley wants to do more like sort of adventurous stuff and not the traditional like loungy go What is stuff. is that like a hot springs type thing There's some like, like a, I feel like there's some spiritual element to it they I, like I don't know cave the cave spe- water or something Yeah I don't know the specifics but they were hinting at it um and then Uh, after this, they had a uh, sit down and there was this really interesting conversation that kind of emerged between Candace and Ashley, who had been having issues this season from the stuff that we kind of mentioned last week. Um, Ashley's trying to defend bringing Deborah to Karen's uh, uh, improv one woman show uh, thing. And basically tries to spin the the argument of like, well, if my best friend, someone was saying something about uh, their husband, I would want them to, you know, You have to be face to face with that and tell them to their face. If. Which also leaves out the fact that if that was the case, you could have briefed Candace that you were bringing her. Instead of surprisingly bringing her. That Like, this whole excuse makes no sense. But Candace, and I think I said this last week, Candace has really come a long way because the way that she handles this is really top notch because she turns it back on Ashley in actually a really classy way to say, like, Taking that at face value, maybe the reason that you're doing that, Ashley, is because of the improprieties that have happened in your relationship with Michael Mm -hmm. and which have been well-documented extensively on video as well. Um, That because of that, maybe that's what you think a relationship should be like, but I don't have that relationship with Chris. And... Ashley kind of had to sort of eat her words and sort of like accept it. And I actually thought it was a really conducive conversation on both ends. You know, Ashley brought up the stuff that she was really hurt by about Candace sort of making fun of her talking about her miscarriage, which I did think at the time was crazy for Candace to do.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Candace has grown since then. I don't think she would do that today. Um, I but- really
0: I, I do. I have hope for their friendship as much as we've been <laughs> wrong multiple times, but I think they could be really good friends and allies. I just need
1: Candace to have some good allies because Candace does not miss. And I need some more people to realize that fact.
0: I, I think that hopefully this can work out. I think much like anything, it's going to get sort of reopened with the reunion as it yep. tends to do with housewives. And Ashley also should be um, apologizing to Candace now that we have the footage of the fact that Deborah was lying about what Chris was doing. Oh, that
1: whole cast. Well, not the whole cast. <laughs> yes, but, but
0: particularly Ashley. I think it's if you want to give Ashley any bit of the benefit of the doubt and say that she believed Deborah because they were friends, and now she knows otherwise. Yeah. But at this point, I think she Chris deserves an apology. But this was, uh, I think, a good discussion. Um, they then go to dinner later that night. Also, oh, by the way, you pointed this out while we were watching. Um, the Very much the White Lotus editing of this this
1: show. <laughs> Some of the just the B-roll footage is just like they, very. They
0: really love that shot of that larva coming out of that tree. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the metaphor is. And
1: like the overhead shot of the shore, like just the shoreline, the beach, like the waves coming up. Uh, beautiful, but just very white lotusy.
0: I don't know what they're trying to tell me. Basically, I don't either. But so they get into this dinner, um, and then they get back into the stuff from last night. And Giselle is just so blatantly messy for this. Of this
1: what else is new?
0: Uh, you know, trying to rile Karen up and say that. Well, if there's anyone that's the queen of Potomac, it's Sharice. Like saying it out of basically nowhere. Like there was no point of her saying that other than to try to get a reaction out of oh, Karen. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, all, oh, 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 and she said that her character was, assa- that Sharice's character was assassinated that night. As if Sharice didn't accuse Karen of going to rehab. Yeah. Like to use that term is just insane to me. Um, But I give credit to Karen. Karen uh, is giving the girls nooch. And I think it's just riling up Giselle and Robin so much t- that Karen's not biting on this stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, much like Candace, Karen has grown and uh, learned how to not necessarily clap back um as viciously as she used to.
0: And a clap back can be fun, but I think it's <laughs> really good to see... To, to know when you're on the right side of things and let them spiral,
1: especially when you're rambling on about hot boxes and sing sing. But that well, was last season, <laughs>
0: well, and, but that was the point. and Karen's brought this up in interviews recently, too, that like this was all based on like Giselle's mission has been all after the hot box comment last season. I honestly think it's after um, It's been a concerted effort by Giselle after that one reunion when Karen and Monique teamed up to kind of expose Jamal Bryant's uh, past dealings and and all that. Oh, you mean the
1: reunion with the binder and the bodyguard?
0: And the bodyguard. Um, And that was a very embarrassing reunion for Giselle. And Giselle doesn't get embarrassed often. And I remember the first episode of the, the season after that of Giselle just being like, I'm going to expose your truth, Karen. And I'm going to, I think her exact words were, I'm going to sprinkle it out a little bit over time. Mm. And I think she's letting, like, she's got Charisse to do exactly that. It's very obvious to me. Um, but the key is Robin gets into it with uh, Karen about this, that she's being hypocritical. Um, or And that, Oh, Karen doesn't get held to account, which I just think is crazy. Um And then Karen apologizes to the group for being very angry last night and slamming the table and all that stuff. And Robin's like, well, you're apologizing to the group, but not apologizing to the person you actually heard, which was Sharice. And this sets Candace off immediately because Candace is always keeping the girls honest this season. And it's just like, this doesn't make any sense based off of what happened in Miami between me and Wendy.
1: Right. Which to be fair, it's a, like, that's what frustrates me about Robin, is that she makes fair assessments of other people and fair criticisms most of the time, but doesn't hold any of her allies to that standard. Sure. And while, yes, I think that Karen should have re- uh, apologized directly to Charisse, holding her to that standard based on everything that she stood by and defended this season absolutely ridiculous yes
0: because mia also did an apology to the group other than wendy wendy also even specifically apologized to Mia a couple days later and then mia just wouldn't apologize back yeah and they get into this whole thing with me and wendy now and i i fully admit even though i was on team wendy in principle last season i i think wendy had a bad season last season in terms of a lot of public perception um but Wendy was on point, I think, this whole argument. The fact that she called, like, Mia trying to justify, like, oh, I brought the Peter stuff up at the table because I was being a good friend to you, which let's be real. And when, but when Wendy fires back and goes, you don't know how to be a good friend, that's your friend for 30 years that you've just thrown under the bus. You clearly mm-hmm. don't know how to be a good friend. Wendy stays on point, and and I think. With her background in debate and being a professor and being on political news all the time, like she, she fights like a political commentator. Oh least. yeah,
1: you you don't want to go up against Wendy because you will most likely lose.
0: And then Mia trying to also insinuate that like Wendy was calling Gordon gay and no. trying to pin that on her, which when you
1: look at the tape, that's not what Wendy said. That's not what Wendy said. And even if it was, why are you taking that as a bad thing? Yeah, well, and trying to pin it on, like... Trying to make it to where Wendy was being homophobic, when really with you being upset that he was being called gay, that's you being homophobic,
0: actually. There's a lot of deep-seated sort of stuff there. Um, And when he gets the better of it, um, they sort of conclude there, that was a really good episode, though, and the next week looks even crazier, because Karen and Robin are going to get into it more... Um, And I feel like this is just going to head on a full steam train until we get to the reunion. Oh, yeah. Which they're filming today uh, as of taping this.
1: Yes. Um,
0: So we'll be definitely excited to see what comes out of that. Um, We mentioned earlier there's no Salt Lake City this week. So we also thought it would be really good to talk about, as I mentioned before, my favorite franchise right now. I honestly think this is my personal favorite franchise across the board on Housewives. And that's Real Housewives of Miami. Which is exclusively on peacock um uh, you you catch little bits of Miami as I watch it, but
1: I mean it's not like you watch Miami without me, but I'm not the one engrossed in it, so um I think this
0: i, I th- there's a lot of reasons why I like this, and I think the casting in this particular reboot of this franchise, because this was an old franchise that went away in, I believe, twenty thirteen, and they've recently brought it back. Because to they, be
1: fair, it is not a reboot.
0: Yes, you're very, you're very a stickler
1: on the term. Reboot is when we start over as if the other thing didn't exist. This is a continuation. It is not starting back over at season one. It is starting, uh, started again at season what four? Yes,
0: but I, what I will say is that. You know, obviously watch seasons one through three. I actually don't think you necessarily need to watch those seasons to sort of get what's going on because um, I, I don't really
1: th- think so either, but there, are because we did watch through them um when Miami came back last year. Yeah. Um but we um I don't think it's necessary, but it does help with some context on some of the things. Sure.
0: And and I will say the vibe is slightly different. And the casting on this, I think, go around has just been really, really smart. Everyone, I think, contributes something really well. There's a vibe that's just like the perfect, I think, with Beverly Hills, a lot of people were talking about the darkness versus fun element and how it sort of was disproportionate. They balance it really well, I think, on Miami. Um, I love I'm, I love everything they're bringing sort of on a humor level, on a drama level, um, but also on a personal level, and I think that's one thing that, is important really with Housewives is you want to really invest in these people and sort of what's happening with them. Um, I think Miami does a really, really great job with that. Um, You have like old school people like Alexia on the show and sort of all the stuff that she's been through. I mean, like marrying a convicted drug dealer and then marrying a man who later she found out was gay after he died and like the stuff with her sons and like there's so much natural... I think when it comes to casting reality television, there's really an art form to it that doesn't get talked about a lot. And it's about really finding interesting people more Mm -hmm. than anything. You can cast people who are, you know, wanting to be reality stars and are going to do whatever they can to be reality stars. But when you have those actual really interesting people and those interesting, you know, reality TV, I think, for many years has been like a case study. People watch it because they want to see sort of not to be like morbid but like kind of like animals in a zoo like they want to see the the goings on
1: and I also think a big part of it is just being able to judge people and go, well, I'm a better person than they are yeah, and that and it's a way to feel better about your life, even when your life is kind of boring. Sure. most people's lives are kind of boring i mean, I mean, you know. Um, most of us go to work, and then we come home, and then we go to sleep, and then we do it again the next day. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's nice to be able to go. Okay, I'm I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. Look at these crazy people in these <laughs> absolutely on these shows.
0: Yeah. So, but I will say this season's been really amazing. And the big sort of overarching uh, storyline from this season, which I which going in we had heard about, obviously on on news sites and stuff like that was the big divorce between Lisa and Lenny. And that has just been, you know, I had, you know, I was hopeful of what it would produce for the show, but it has really played out in something. I would say it's, I think it's one of the best stories of the season so far in terms of what we were getting to see with the actual dynamic, the fact that it happened mid filming and we're seeing like getting to see the cracks mm-hmm. and then sort of the result of it.
1: And we've had some good, like Housewives is not devoid of good hot mic moments, but oh, that point where where Lenny is talking to um, one of his friends, one okay. of his friends in the kitchen during a party. Like, literally on mic and going, oh, well, I'm whispering. They can't pick it up. I'm going to leave my wife in, like, two months. What? And saying that, like, his friend asking if he had had sex with Lisa
0: recently and saying, no, because I feel like then I would be cheating on the person I really love. Right. That was
1: disgusting. Oh, and,
0: well, and also the fact that uh, from what we're to believed, from what, like, was laid out, like, that his son's, like, in the room, like next to him playing video games or something as he's saying this. It's just insane. Lenny is like despicable. He is competing to be worse house husband. And there is a long list of terrible house husbands. This isn't
1: a world where a Michael Darby exists. Yes.
0: Um but his sort of and he was always kind of a douchey guy. You know, he was kind of one really pushing Lisa to have kids when she was having fertility issues. And um uh this was back in sort of the original seasons. Um And he's been very distant. They talked last season about how he basically in the time since the original and now, like he had an emotional affair with a girl. And at one point even told Lisa, I don't love you anymore, which if I'm Lisa, like that should have been a sign. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like there's only and I feel bad for Lisa. I think Lisa... While she's naive, and they've talked about it, and, like, the fact that she kind of, like, let things go by for a long time, I think that's real for a lot of people. I think that's, you know, a lot of people, especially people of that um, tax bracket. Oh, yeah. Like, they kind of go along to get along, and...
1: Well, there's a lot to lose. Like, divorces are expensive, and... You know, depending on who's bringing in, you know, um, who's bringing in what, that's an alimony payment, potentially, that could be going on forever.
0: And and to trust the fact that your husband is not going to bring his new girlfriend into your home with your children while you're on vacation. And
1: kick his own mother out, (laughs) who is supposed to be watching the children.
0: He is so, he is competing to be... Not,
1: Not I, just worst house husband, but worst human. On like this is disgusting. He, it's just awful. He's
0: re- and you really feel for Lisa as much as you know. You you know her naivety of it all. It's you're you're really rooting for her at the end of the day because oh, it's yeah. like she doesn't deserve this. Nobody um, deserves
1: that. Nobody deserves to be betrayed by the person they love.
0: No. And uh, speaking of love stories as well, I think th- obviously that's sort of a big element of it. I'm really loving also Julia Limagova this season who, um, came on last season in the, in the, not reboot. <laughs> in the continuation. In the continuation. Thank you. Um, and obviously, uh, made history as the first, uh, same sex couple to be on Housewives yep. uh, with her wife, Martina Nevertolova, famous tennis star, um. I really love this. You know, last season as as good, as good as it was to see her on the show. I didn't really love this whole storyline with Adriana, a uh, former Miami housewife who's now friend of. Yep. Um, And sort of like the, are they in a relationship or is this a friends with benefits? I, I thought it was a little too, I, you know, but I like that. We're getting to see more of her actual marriage with Martina this season and sort of the natural things that they're going through. Uh, Julia is having, a lot of issues with being an empty nester now and her daughter's going off to college um, and sort of the strife that's putting on her marriage and her home life and not feeling happy.
1: And we just uh, found out in this recent episode that um her and her wife are going to adopt a baby yes but that is also coming on the heels for us viewers for real life news that her wife has just been diagnosed with cancer yeah very
0: sad news and obviously um wishing all the best to martina and recovery
1: honestly as much as i think it would be good for their relationship to have Um, the new baby in the house, I'm kind of hoping that that adoption did not happen yet because that is too much stress on that family all at once.
0: I think to my knowledge, they, they, um, from what my understanding, it hasn't been finalized yet. So, um, hopefully they can tackle this hurdle and then get back on track in terms of that. Um, but I think, you know, you know, She's also portrayed on very much a humorous level because of, one, her accent naturally, but two, her love of farming and her chickens. goats <laughs> and her chickens, um, you know, bring a goat to a dog party. That, <laughs> I uh, forgot about that. It's the ridiculousness that you love of housewives. But I think, you know, she's going through real life stuff that I think a lot of people resonate with. And I think it's really great to see a lesbian couple sort of ha- go through those trials and, and tribulations that any other married couple would naturally go through and presenting that to a, a wide audience.
1: Yeah. It it really helps to give um the more conservative contingent of Housewives viewers um a look into what a real queer relationship looks like. Yeah. And the fact that we are just normal people. Like we're just out here, trying to live our lives and you know do the best we can, and you know have a little fun while we're doing it, and and that's it. We're we're just like everybody else.
0: Yeah, I love I love what everything they're doing, and they're again across the board. This cast is extremely charismatic, and then of course we also have Larsa Pippen, who uh, you know uh, part once part of the Kardashian realm, married to NBA star Scotty Pippen, recently divorced. Um and her sort of being, the, she's the classic sort of housewife villain that we all love. I feel. Oh yeah. Just willing to just like throw out accusations, just um, just start fires where there is none. Obviously, we had a whole uh, th- what felt like a five episode long arc of whether or not Lisa had a mortgage
1: on her house, which,
0: <sighs> <laughs> which I don't know if I needed. Um.
1: Oh, absolutely not.
0: And of as of recent, now her big focus is on Nicole and uh basically accusing Nicole of sleeping with the other doctors at her practice, which is really terrible.
1: Uh, I, this uninvitation to oh, to Nicole's man. party.
0: Nicole came to play and to <laughs> she has insured her mojito for times to come with that. We just got finished watching uh the latest episode, and that was a bold move, <laughs> the uninvite to her uh uh wedding party. Um I really like Nicole. Nicole is really something special. I think they found such a great uh, cast member in her. Yeah. And her husband's hot. That also, that <laughs> also helps. And, and, and very shady as well. He is not afraid yeah, to just drag. Like, not at drag all.
1: <laughs> not at all.
0: Which some people find off-putting, but as a, you know, you know a man who can easily pass his game.
1: He knew what show he was yes. he was getting on to.
0: Very much so, but, um, yeah, I love I love everything that Cole's bringing. Also, this issue I'm I'm like the only person, maybe you as well. I'm the only person on her side in terms of this stuff with her father. Everyone is saying, "Oh, you're too hard on him. Oh, you need to you know let him in your life more, etc." No, she doesn't. What like you obviously also have talked about this as well. It's just like no one is obligated to be in your life when they're treating you terribly. Like this is a guy who, you know, obviously he's exhibited a lot of drinking issues. We've seen it on the show as well, but like bringing a Turkey to cook in her oven on Thanksgiving and then just immediately leaving afterwards, like, and then expecting a relationship is just insane to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really quite, I mean I don't even know if gross is the right word but like just slimy and it's not it's not great and he just comes off as um really aloof and uncaring it was it's almost like they hired some random person off the street to come in and play her dad sure and he has no emotional connection to her
0: and people have issues but i think that's what you're like you point out a good word the aloof and the uncaring of it is i think the key as to why i think this is an issue and i understand alexia's point of view from her personal perspective of losing her mother and like the you know the sort of time aspect and i get that logic but it's like you know
1: i mean the logic of life is too short to not spend time with your parents while you have them is there, but the logic is also there to not waste time trying to connect to a parent who does not give a shit about you. It
0: needs to be a two-way street at the end
1: of the day. Right, and at the end of the day, I know that they're all adults, right? But parents make the choice to bring their children into this world. Children do not have a choice in that matter. Right. And in my view... Children owe their parents nothing. If there is a problem with the relationship, it is up to the parent to fix that.
0: I agree. That's the that's the adult. Even when the child ends up being an adult, that's the adult. That's the guiding person yeah. at the end of the day. But also, I brought up the Alexia thing of her losing her mother. I also just wanted to quickly note before we move on, the other thing I really love about this show is that you have the drama elements, but I really do feel like this cast is a good friend group. Like, it feels yeah. like a genuine friend group that isn't sort of necessarily there because they're all contracted together. Right.
1: When when um she announced um that Lenny was leaving her. Yes. Um, One of my favorite scenes of the whole season. Every like everyone rallied around her. There was no Alexia was
0: going to fight Lenny.
1: Like she was so mad. She was literally ready to go, no, I don't care if we're, like, out on a trip. We're going home, and we're going to kick his ass. Yeah, basically. Like-
0: <laughs> it was so great to see. And even Larsa, too. Like, Larsa was feuding with Lisa the first half of the season, and they even still dropped all of that and sort of, like, took her up. Which I love from this group. And they did it last season, too, when Alexia, like, lost her mom on her wedding day from uh. COVID, which was just, like, that whole sentence is just, like... Yeah, so traumatic in and of itself. And, and if you
1: watch the first three seasons, her mom was such a light. Yeah, like she was, she was an amazing part of that, like a, a tangential part of that cast. Um, oh, you're,
0: oh! So, uh, you're speaking of uh, Marisol's mom,
1: actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Marisol's Mama, mom also died. The lovely so,
0: Mama Elsa.
1: <laughs> Mama Elsa also died between the yes. first half of the. Sorry, I got. I, I told you I tangentially watched yes. the show, so. But you, no one can
0: forget <laughs> Mama Elsa. That no one can forget
1: to... Mama Elsa, and sh- like losing her in between the first half yeah. of the show and now, like the the cast really has rallied around her as well for that, and. Um, it's just something beautiful to see. Like, I believe that this group of women is actually friends. Mm -hmm. Some of the other franchises do not give that impression.
0: No, not at all. So it's really great to see. Um, and definitely go check out real housewives of Miami. If you haven't, it's a great show to pick up and binge. Um, and honestly, a lot of people are making arguments. It probably should be off Peacock and onto Bravo. Honestly, I think it would do really well. Um, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, the Traders, season one, US on Peacock, don't go anywhere.
1: Well, hello friends, I'm
0: your pal on the mainstream media. And, uh, and I'm the Riz. And you know, know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time. To develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On a wrestling man.
1: That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more.
0: Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com.
1: And welcome back to a gay and his NB. Uh, let's dive into the Traders US season one. This was
0: like a, a last-minute binge for us. Um, that we were like, you know what, we've been hearing so you know a lot of good things
1: about this show. And I mean, who doesn't love Alan Cummings? Oh so, my like,
0: god. The the casting choice again, back to casting choices. A host can do so much in a show like this, and Alan Cummings was the perfect choice for host for the uh, for the traders.
1: And honestly. His wardrobe is an entire separate character on this show and, um, it deserves its own Emmy for this. Like just the wardrobe by itself should win. Um, but it's, it's fabulous. Also, Alan Cumming is very much giving us Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. Um, this entire show. Very Moira Rose. At one point he just sounded like the count from Sesame
0: Street. (laughs) I forgot what point it was, but he, it was very jarring. Um, I think it was the the Scotland because they they film in Scotland at this beautiful castle. But I it very much aided to the vibe and and yes, whoever made that choice to put Alan Cumming on that show was so smart. Um but this is a uh new reality competition show. Uh this actually started in the UK uh very recently and became a big hit and they did a US version with um half regular cast and half celebrities.
1: Which it's ironic that it's Started in the U.K., and this is the U.S. version, but they still filmed in the U.K.?
0: I think they film in the same location as the U.K. version.
1: Do they really? <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, yeah, they very much were just like, let's get this to a wider audience, I yeah. think, more than anything.
1: I mean, it was absolutely stunning. Uh, starts out with a cast of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, half civilians, half uh, celebrities. Um and the celebrities I believe are all from reality television.
0: You had like Ryan Lochte, the oh
1: yes, he was a a five-time Olympic gold medalist in swimming.
0: Who honestly didn't do much. No,
1: honestly. Um. So starts out nobody is a traitor yet, right? This this functions like a game of Mafia or Werewolf uh, if you've ever played those games. Um. Where um at the beginning of the game. A few people are selected to be traitors, um, and they work uh, to quote-unquote murder—not really, obviously no one's dead—but um, murder um, members of the cast every night. And then the, the cast works together, um, which the cast, other than the traitors, are called— um the faithful the faithful yes i knew it was some f word and i couldn't remember what it <laughs> was <that> <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the faithful work to suss out who the traitors are and banish them from the castle yes and, um, you, and the
0: goal is you have to make it to the end without any traitors left uh and then um whoever if there is, if of there, the
1: faithful is left get to win or get to split the the cash prize. Yes. Uh, which they work to add to the pot throughout the entire show.
0: And there's a lot of comparison, obviously, to the mole. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, we just recently watched the new Netflix mole, which uh, we really enjoyed as well. Um, I thought, they, I, thought it, I liked this a little better than the mole, actually, in terms of sort of I agree. the, the key differences.
1: Uh, one of the key differences is that the audience watching at home knows who the traders are from the get. Yes, you're not um, playing
0: along at home. Um, which I don't really I didn't really miss as much.
1: I, I like both versions, um, but having an insight to the traders and and how they are working together and all of that um, really added to the drama of the show, especially when they start to unravel. So um, one of the big early moments is one of the traders kind of starts to really have a weighing on his heart. Um, like the the um emotions of sending people home. Which right? I
0: was very kind of iron, yeah, for a lot of people. Because a lot of people were very emotional playing and I'm like, you got how long have you got you filmed this season? Not that yeah.
1: long. And it, it tips his hand and um he ends up getting found out and sent home by the faithfuls. Um but I also
0: like that the trader like there's a lot of um and obviously spoiler alert we might get into certain details so but definitely watch it I would encourage you to
1: it's only ten episodes guys just go watch it come back
0: but it was interesting to see also a lot of the traders working to get the other traders out
1: in oh yeah that maneuvering it's like when so spoiler alert. well you find out in the first episode so um Cerise from Survivor yep. she's been on there for like four times gotten. Pretty far every time, and then lost. Yeah, um, and then we had two, and then well, we, we have, have Cody, Cody from, Big from Big Brother, um, who won what? season he, uh, he won
0: the all the recent All star season, right? I think that was season twenty. No, t- either way, yeah, the recent All Stars.
1: Yeah, um, that was really great. Uh, it was a good season. Janelle was amazing on that show. I love her, Janelle. Um, anyway, um, so.
0: And then we had Christian, who we was had Christian, movie. who was a
1: civ- who was a civilian, um, and they seem to be so in lockstep for the first couple days, um, and then Cody starts to feel it, or at least claims to, um, and he tips his hand and gets found out by the faithful and gets sent home. Um And then we get this lovely twist where the Traders get to recruit yeah. another Trader from the Faithfuls, um and they pick Ari. Um, from The
0: Bachelor. Which some, yes, he some, was
1: The Bachelor. He was also a race car driver. Was that him that was a race car
0: driver? I Who knows? Say, he was a very pretty white man. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's about it. But I, I liked the intermingling of the trade. Cause in the mole, when you're the mole, you really don't really have any incentive. Like you're not winning prize money. You're not, right. You're going to make it to the end, no matter what, it's all about finding out who that person is. And i like the fact that the, the actual traders had a mission and a goal to be successful at. And I like that it wasn't about necessarily bombing a challenge or throwing a challenge. And because obviously any money that gets put in the pot not only can the Faithful win, but obviously the Traders can win if to the
1: end. One thing we didn't mention is if they make it to the end and they decide to end the game and they think everybody left is a Faithful and there's a Trader left, the Trader wins everything. Yes,
0: which the finale, we we won't get too far into, but that, that finale was
1: <laughs>
0: awkward in the best way.
1: <laughs> so, so great, though.
0: Um. But... And I also think I go back to it. I know we've talked about casting a lot this episode. I think the casting of this this particular season was what made the show really good. You had not just you had people who were great competitors and great strategists as well uh, you know in the mix, but you also had people who had strategic inklings but also were great personalities Mm -hmm. and kind of interacted as people
1: and then you had people who were uh confidently wrong a lot (laughs) a lot quentin is the one that stands out to me in that regard (laughs) who was just like i know exactly who the traitors are like every episode and he was dead wrong every time it was hilarious even when the rest of the faithfuls figured out um Christian it gets uh, eliminated at one point as well, uh, one of the other traders. Um, so even when they voted out Cody and Christian, Quentin was on the wrong side of both of those votes. Right. And it's so funny because he remains so confident throughout the whole thing, all the way up to the end. He's just solid, like, I know exactly what's going to happen and I know exactly who the traders are. Um and then at the very end his jaw is left on the floor and it's beautiful.
0: Right. Let's also talk about some of the other as uh, players involved in this. And and let's talk about the star of this season. And I think we both agree. Oh my God, the reality star that is Kate Chastain!
1: Oh my she, goodness, we,
0: me and Merlin have not watched Below Deck. We've not gotten into that. We uh,
1: may have to. We
0: may have to. Um, but she, oh my God, she is so good. She is such good reality TV.
1: The feud between her and Rachel from Big Brother <laughs> is just—it's—it you could write a dissertation about that feud. Um, it is. She's such a comic character almost in a way because there just reaches a certain point where she's just
0: like, I want to go home.
1: It's so funny. <laughs>
0: just kill me already and she won't die and she's just so upset about it that it's <laughs> it's genuinely hilarious. It's I I haven't laughed this long at this kind of a reality show in a long time. Um, she's so funny. Her and, um, I, I, you know, uh, Brandy Glanville from formerly from real housewives of Beverly Hills is also a cast member and their relationship's really interesting. And but we
1: only get Brandy for a short while. I I'm know. so mad. She went home so early. We needed her throughout the whole thing. Her and Kate
0: were like such a great dynamic duo in the beginning of the season. Oh I think yeah. They were such good narrators. They were such good. Um, y- y- they're just, their banter with each other was always so fun. um, and and there were a lot of really interesting, you know, uh, some, we knew most of the people from either, if they were on Big Brother, Survivor, obviously Brandy from Housewives. There were a couple Bravo people who, we obviously, we don't watch Summer House. We didn't know Kyle. We didn't know.
1: We don't watch Shaws of Sunset, so we didn't know Reza.
0: Yes. But there, I think this was a really well put together cast of, of people. And I think if they can, whoever model was directing, I guess, this uh, franchise, I think did a really good job. And I also love that this is also a game that's very customizable season to season. Oh yeah. Like, well, how are you going to sort of like, I had a worry at one point of like, well, how are you going to, if you want to do future seasons of this, not get people who sort of know the trends and Mm -hmm. know how things look and how to sort of, get ahead of things. But I think like it's very customizable. You can have two traders, you can have four, you can have like
1: Right, because something we didn't realize is they didn't tell the the faithful how many traders there were. Yeah. So we as the audience knew that there were three to start out with and four overall. But they didn't know that.
0: I think there's a lot that you can do with this to keep people on their toes. Yeah. In a way that I think Big Brother is kind of hurting from in that the game's been played so much that And similar also with Survivor to a certain extent, it's been played so much and people are such fans and people are such super fans that they come in knowing what to do and know immediately. And I think this is a good game to, that will always keep the players on their toes
1: in certain ways. So we get to the very end. Uh, we have two faithfuls and two traders left Uh, with, uh, we have Andy and Quentin left, um, on the, uh, faithful side and, uh, Sari and um Ari? Ari left on the trader side and everybody has to vote whether they are done with the game or um or going to vote to banish someone else. Because basically
0: and, if there's any trader left when you end the game, the trader wins.
1: Right. So Sari is the only person to vote to keep banishing. At this point, she could have said with everyone else, nope, we're done. Me and Ari are the two traders. We win. We split the money. Yeah. But she said, nope, we're going to banish again. And then she went on an impassioned speech um, targeting Ari. Everyone else voted Ari out. And then she was the lone trader. Everyone else thought she was... The thought she was a faithful and And nobody suspected her the entire stinking show. Andy
0: was like, I consider you like a mother figure. Oh, It was was uh, so awkward in a way that was like, if you're someone who loves that stuff on reality TV, it was so satisfying. It was also sad in the sense that like... If you followed Sari and her journey on Survivor and how many times she's lost and how many times she's came close and how much of a fan favorite she is and for her to finally win some big money on a reality show. But she didn't really even get to enjoy it from the onset because it was like she was made to look like such a jerk at the end.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, Quentin's jaw was on the ground. Andy was in tears.
0: Literal tears. Just pouring tears. It was insane.
1: Um, it was cinematic and fabulous. And Saree um, definitely deserves this win. Uh, this is her fifth turn on a reality show. And to finally win, she has grown so much from being... Um, to quote uh, Jeff Probst from Survivor, uh, she has come so far from being the woman who got up off the couch and took a chance on an island in the Pacific, and um, just to see her finally win and finally succeed—it's it's beautiful. And I'm I'm frustrated that it was tarnished a little bit. But at the end of the day, she took home $250,000 and she gets to take care of her family like she's always dreamed of doing. So good on her.
0: Yes, this is definitely a must watch. I think we definitely at some point got to check out the UK version because I hear that's great as well. Absolutely. Um definitely definitely check this out even if you've uh everything that we've said even if you know sort of the inner goings on it's still just a fun watch because it is a very charismatic cast absolutely Um, and and really great stuff coming out of uh peacock peacock is doing some really good oh yeah content in a world where a lot of like (laughs) places are very uh iffy in terms of the this kind of stuff peacock's doing some really good stuff right now
1: So um, we want to do a little segment here at the end um, called our Tops and Bottoms of the Week. Yeah. Just over everything we've watched, all the media we've consumed, um, who is standing out to us as the most captivating, the most amazing, and who is really standing out to us as a dud? Yeah.
0: So I'll I'll start things off. For my bottom this week, you know, I'm... mm, I'm I'm gonna have to say Sharice over on Potomac. I think that I think this was poorly miscalculated by her on so many levels in terms of getting back on this show and sort of if she had just taken a moment to do something other than focus on Karen. Yeah. And sort of show why she's a value and an asset to the show. I think it would have been so much better to her. My top for this week, I got to give it to Kate Chastain. I think she, it was so great to finally see. I had heard the name a lot and and a lot of people love her. And so it was great to see her in this environment and see why people think she's such a great star. And, you know, more stuff from her is, is, I'd be more than happy to see uh, across any other, you know, Uh, platform any other uh show really great stuff from her what about you
1: um so my bottom of the week um is gonna have to be the entirety of mtv
0: oh god how could we forget
1: how could we forget about mtv and choosing to shorten uh drag race after the fact to put on a show that nobody wants to watch um and it hasn't even premiered. It didn't even premiere this week. It literally has not started and yet. And they already shortened the episodes. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is crazy. Um, so that's definitely my bottom of the week. Um, my top of the week is uh, Sari. Um, yeah, good for I her. just, I'm so happy for her to finally make it after so many years and so many attempts. Um And she's never done poorly. She's always done well. She just hasn't quite made it until this time. And she had everyone fooled and it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch her work. Um, Great choices. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us this week on A Gay and His Envy. Tune in next week for more of our recaps and hot takes. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we're using for our theme. For my husband, Eamon, I'm Merlin,
0: and we're out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.